take the Word of God and turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at one verse today, verse 32. Clay asked me, he, he asked, are you going to preach? And I said, why, do you want to keep preaching? I don't know if he preached long enough last week. I was watching online, and at one point, I thought, man, they started the second service really early. And actually, it was just Clay still preaching from the first service. Uh, But I'm so thankful for Clay and Eric and the way they handled the Word of God and the way they filled in the last two weeks. Uh, And that's one reason I'm excited to preach today. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verse 32, one verse If you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect word. And I know this is a unique setting. We hear cars driving by. There's a lot of distractions and that's okay. But we need the word of God more than anything in these days. There are a lot of words. There's a lot of opinions. There are a lot of thoughts. There are a lot of things out there that vie for our attention, but we need the Word of God more than any of it. And so we come today with this Word from God. Verse 32 of chapter 12, the Gospel of Luke. The Holy Spirit says to us today, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh God, with that truth, dive deep into our hearts? Would it overwhelm our thoughts, our emotions, our wills? And would it cause us to be radical? Would it cause us to be sacrificial? Would it cause us to love in amazing ways? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, would we believe it today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As many of you know, this summer, uh, the Haskins added another living thing uh, to their home. We already had eight people living there, and so we decided we would get a dog. And the dog's name is Dobzy. Now, Dobzy is becoming like the church mascot, as you can tell. But Dobzy is part golden retriever. She's part hound dog or what we say from Tennessee, coon dog. And uh, she is, when she goes outside, she, her nose is on fire. We live uh, out Barnes Mill, Barnes Mill Estates. And we live in an area that's right up against a wooded area, right up against farms runs along Silver Creek, and there are all kinds of animals behind our house. There are raccoons, there are possums, there's coyotes, there's fox. This summer, there were black bears in and around our house, and there are animals everywhere. And so when Dobzy goes outside, her senses are just on fire, and she wants to dart toward the woods. She wants to find out what is out there. And to keep her safe, so often I, in very sarcastically ways, will try to scare my family about what will happen to her if she darts into the woods. And I will talk about wolves that will puncture her throat and and different things like that, just to give them a picture. 
hey, this cute, nice, sweet dog is going to be prey for some wild and crazy animals. I'll even get down in Dobzy's face and I will explain to her the dangers in the woods. And I would say your, you know, your sweet little face is going to be mauled by a black bear. And you know what happens every time I give those little lectures or speeches? You know how much changes with Dobzy? Nothing. She looks at me and she tilts her head like she understands. And the next time she goes outside, she's headed right for the woods. She's not smart enough to fear what's in the woods, the unknown. But we have a neighbor... And we call him Mr. Cecil. That's his name, Cecil. We don't even know his last name. We just call him Mr. Cecil. Uh, he, he has a, a friend, uh, a girlfriend, and we just call her Miss Cecil because we don't even know their last name. We just call him Mr. and Miss Cecil. But Cecil, he trains bird dogs. And so he's watched our interactions with Dobsey quite often. And he's seen how incompetent we are to train this dog. And one day I'm in the living room and I hear Mr. Cecil yelling at the top of his lungs. And he is speaking very authoritative. And I notice he's talking to Karis. And I'm thinking, why is Mr. Cecil taking such a tone with Karis? And, and, and I figured out he was teaching her how to talk to Dobsey. And he was saying, you have to raise your voice when you talk to her. Get back over here. And he's screaming at Dobsey. And, and he says, you have to speak authoritatively. She's not smart enough to fear what's in the woods. But she has to be smart enough to fear you. And isn't it true that we have the same problem with our own instincts? Except it's just the opposite. Instead of being, uh, instead of running toward danger because we don't know any different, our natural instinct so often is to run away from danger, to run away from those things that scare us. And one of the things our sin nature does to that instinct to run away from danger, to protect ourselves, is our sin nature begins to con- convince ourselves that there are way more things to be scared of than are really out there. We began to think through the worst case scenario. Uh, We began to come up with things that are out there that are going to kill and destroy us. And we began to concoct stories in our mind that invoke fear in our hearts. And instead of darting to danger, so often we are protecting ourselves from danger that's not really there. But the same point is true in our passage. We must fear the word of God more than we fear our worst fears. We must fear his authoritative word and we must trust him that the danger out there, that that our worst case scenarios in light of his plan and purpose for us are nothing to be feared. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples here when he says, fear not. Now, this command comes in what we we may describe as the classic worry section. 
where Jesus is teaching about worry. And he says, I know that you're worried about what you're going to eat. And I know you're worried about what you're going to wear. Your father in heaven, he feeds birds and he clothes flowers. He's going to take care of you. You do not have to worry about those things. Now, Jesus doesn't minimize the danger. You may starve and you may go unclothed. And there are folks out there that may kill you. But you don't have to fear those because you have a father in heaven who is loving you and who is taking care of you. And you are to look to him first and foremost as you think about those things. Because the truth is, your father in heaven is going to keep you clothed and fed and alive as long as he wants you to. So do not fear. One of the most interesting things here is this commandment to not fear is the most used commandment in all of the Bible. What, what would you think God commands us most to do? When you look from the beginning of Scripture to the end, the, the one command that comes through on all the pages of Scripture over and over, do not fear, do not be scared. And it's coupled with the command to fear God. And so the command of all Scripture is don't fear these things fear God most. And the writer of Proverbs calls this wisdom. This is how you live out your faith and trust in God. And he says, do not fear, fear not. And what he's saying here is fear God more than you fear any of those things. You do realize today that your greatest fears reveal your greatest idols. What you fear most in your heart is an indicator of what you worship the most. That's why we're to fear God most. We're not to fear anything else. But think about that. Today, what are you most scared of? What are you most frightened by in this moment? It will reveal what you're trusting in. Some of us here today, we're scared to death to go poor. Why? Because we've made money an idol. Some of us here today, we're scared to death to get sick. Why? Because we've made health an idol. Some of us here today, we are scared to die. Why? Because we have made this life the way we got it, the way we've got it laid out. We've made it an idol. And we're trusting in it. We're trusting in money. We're trusting in health. We're trusting in the way that we have our life. And it's revealing these things can become idols. Even those things that aren't bad. Money's not bad. Health's not bad. You're to enjoy your life. But it can never become an idol. You know, the worst thing for you is not to go poor, sick, or die. The worst thing in the world for you is to stand before a holy God who you've rebelled against. And the worst thing in the world for you is to die without Jesus. And that's why Jesus, when he says, fear not, you don't fear any of those things. Why? Because you fear me most. And you fear being without me most. And you fear your father most. But guess what? For those who fear God most, there's good news. Notice he says, fear not, little flock. Now, it's so important that God describes us as sheep 
in Scripture. You know why? You know one of the main characteristics of sheep, you know what it is? They're not smart. They're, they're stupid. They're, they're not the smartest animals. They just sort of meander and eat. And that's all they know to do. And yet throughout the Bible, God calls us his flock. We're sheep who just meander and eat. And we don't have a lot of wisdom about our surroundings. You, you know, also sheep are defenseless. You know, ha- have you seen sheep with piercing horns out of their head and fangs? In Tennessee, if we find a sheep that looks like that, we call it a goat. But have you ever seen a sheep that is just vicious, that, that, that you walk up on it and it sort of scares you? And have you ever seen someone who has beware of sheep outside of their house? Never seen that. They're not dangerous. They're defenseless. And so here we are. Notice he says little. He uses the phrase little to, to describe how insignificant we are. We're not great in number. He doesn't describe us as a herd or a pack of wolves. No, we're a little flock. And what's he doing here? You are a little flock who needs to be cared for. Now, if you think about yourself as a sheep, you would say, as a group of sheep, we're not smart and we're defenseless. So we should be scared. We should be scared of what's out there. How are we going to defend ourselves? He says, little flock, and he's describing us as his personal flock. You're my flock, so you don't have to be scared. You, you don't have to fear what's out there. And so many of fears indicate that we have forgotten who we are. You know when you fear the most is when you begin to think that you're big and that you're in control. Think about all your problems right now. When you think about your problems, you fear the most about your problems when you think you're the one in control of them. Why? Because you're not. And so you try to fix things and you try to handle all of your kids' issues and you try to make sure they have everything they need. And there are moments when you realize you can't do that, so you get scared. There are times when you think, just let me worry this out. Just let me balance the spreadsheet again and again and again. Let me take control of it. And what God is saying is you can't. You're small. You're like a little lamb. And you need to be cared for. And you are scared because you have forgotten how small and even insignificant you are. Courage is to say this. Left to myself, I am a small, stupid insignificant and helpless sheep, but Jesus is my shepherd. If you can start there and say, I can't figure all of this out. I don't have wisdom to take care of this. I don't have strength to take care of this, but guess what? Jesus told me not to fear because he's taking care of it. You know, one of the reasons so many Christians, and I want you to listen to this, One of the reasons so many Christians in America right now are scared to death is because they have forgotten who we really are. Christianity in America has prided itself in recent years on numbers, on being large, on having great buildings, on having a great voice, 
on having great influence. And what's going on in our culture right now? Our greatness is being taken away. It's being taken from us. And we are scared. Why? Because we were trusting in those things. We thought those things were blessings. And what God is saying is, no, remember who you are. You're little. You're weak. You're defenseless. And the worst thing for Satan, and I want you to listen to me. The worst thing for Satan and the forces of darkness is that the church to remember remember we are a little flock. And that we can't trust in our bigness. And we can't trust in our opinions and our influence. No, we trust in our shepherd. And, and our significance is found in Jesus, not ourselves. That's the worst thing. If the church in America, like we like to say, would just wake up and realize that, then we would be unstoppable because our shepherd is unstoppable. But we're scared because we want to be big, because we want to be loud, because we want to call the shots. And that's why we're powerless, because we're not trusting in the shepherd. You see, the best thing in your life is to remember you are a little lamb and we are a little flock. And that's where power comes from. If you would just stop and say, my significance isn't in how outraged I can be on Facebook. My significance isn't in my opinion about what's going on politically. My significance is found in a shepherd who cannot lose. A shepherd who has kicked the forces of darkness in their teeth. And he has defeated them. And he promises to take care of us. That's where our power is. But notice, as the text ends, he says, Fear not, little flock. And here's, here's the source, the foundation of our courage. It's the Father's good pleasure. The Father. Jesus here says, My Father is your Father. He, you've been given rights to be called a son of God in me. And notice the father's pleasure. The word actually means plan or desire or delight. But it carries the meaning that God is on edge, ready to give with grace you the kingdom. Now we talk about the kingdom a lot around here. And, and it is explained in the presence of Jesus who has all authority and all power. And when Jesus comes to earth, what do we see over and over? In his presence, the kingdom is at hand. How do we know that? He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He controls nature. He raises the dead. The kingdom that will overcome sin and death is in flesh and blood in Jesus. And here, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you that kingdom. That's why you don't have to fear. It feels right now like your kingdom is being taken away. Oh, don't fear. You have a kingdom that has overcome sin and death. And, and the Father is on edge to give it to you. He's not holding it back from you. He's ready to give it to you. And how does he give it to you? The kingdom that will overcome sin and reverse the curse of death. We see on a cross, Jesus dies for your sin He's the only one who can die for your sin. He is raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he promises when you believe in him, you will have your sins forgiven. You will be raised from the dead. And you will rule and reign with him forever. That's the kingdom he wants to give you. How does that compare to your worst fear? 
Just, just stop right now and think. My worst fear, fill it in the blank, is this. My kids may not go back to school this year. I may have less money this time next year. Things may not get back to normal. My worst fear, we may not win. The person I want to win the election may not win. My worst fear, oh, the kingdom of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You will be raised out of your coffin on the last day. You will rule and reign with Jesus. Does that not overwhelm your worst fear? Does that not give you hope? Does that not make the command, fear not, make sense to you? Fear not. It's a command to fear God more than your worst fear. Why? Because in Jesus, He has given you everything. As heirs of the kingdom here today, we can't lose. Think about the last six months. Has the gospel stopped? It's not. We've endured some awkward situations here. But I'll promise you, brothers and sisters around the world, many of them have had hot boiling water poured down their throats for preaching the gospel. And yet the gospel keeps going. The gospel can't stop. The gospel will not be stopped. We can't lose. And you know what happens when we begin to believe that? We begin to look like little coon dog puppies sometimes. And, and we begin to dart into the woods. And people around us are going, oh, no, 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 no. There are wolves out there. There are things out there that will take your life and destroy you. There are things that will pierce your little neck and kill you and drag you around. You don't need to run to danger. And what we do is we say, no, I have heard an authoritative voice that I fear way more than my worst fears. And it's in the midst of danger that we fear not because we have the kingdom. 